football's back. And Whole Foods Market is everything you need for a delicious tailgater watch party. Level up your game day hosting with marinated chicken wings, chicken sausages, hot dogs, and more. Headed to a friend's house? On the way, grab crowd-pleasing snacks from Whole Foods Market, like late July tortilla chips and Primal Kitchen queso dip. And don't forget the beer. Very important. Just check out that local selection. Elevate game day with Whole Foods Market. Must be 21 plus. Please drink responsibly. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. What do your music playlists and podcast feeds have in common? They're a reflection of you. And that's how the State Farm personal price plan works, too. It gives you options to personalize your coverage so you can protect what you care about most at an affordable price that's just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Go to statefarm.com today to create your State Farm personal price plan. Prices vary by state. Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yeah. It's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. Football's back, and Whole Foods Market is everything you need for a delicious tailgater watch party. Level up your game day hosting with marinated chicken wings, chicken sausages, hot dogs, and more. Headed to a friend's house? On the way, grab crowd-pleasing snacks from Whole Foods Market, like late July tortilla chips and Primal Kitchen queso dip. And don't forget the beer. Very important. Just check out that local selection. Elevate game day with Whole Foods Market. Must be 21 plus. Please drink responsibly. That's how oh, she's got it. Oh, he dropped it. I don't believe it. That's unbelievable. He was throwing it up. He thought he had it. It was a little lollipop. And the man who did so well with the bat has taken his eye off the ball. And the ball has just dribbled out of his fingers. He was about to throw it up. I hate grade cricket. The grade cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing cricket at the grade level. It's a tough, mean, dirty, dirty business being a grade cricketer. A lot of cricketers, you know, that's all they know. They've mm. done it since they're 10 and they have a deep-seated fear of change. But the grade cricket is all about being the most alpha version of yourself as possible at all costs and at all times. I don't bat or bowl. I just feel a gully, count the number of dot balls in a row, sledge 15 yards, make me feel better about myself. Thanks, Thanks champ. champ. Oh, no, you call me champ. <laughs> Welcome to the Great Cricketer Podcast. On today's show, we're talking Australia and West Indies, great catches and even better sunglasses. India finally joined the competition and just about ends South Africa's, while the Proteas say thanks but no thanks to AB de Villiers. Ross Taylor hits 82 in a win against Bangladesh while trying to run out every single one of his teammates. We look ahead to England's match against Bangladesh, Australia's match against India. Adam Collins joins from the UK, hashtag AskTGC, and we now can tell you what the fuck a cool denial is. My name is Ian Higgins and I'm joined by Sam Perry and Melbourne Pez, good morning to you. How good's the World Cup, mate? <laughs> oh, mate, the magic of the cup. <laughs> Not really, that's just for Australians. And uh, I'm yeah. slightly disappointed that you've decided to own the Coulton Isle joke before allowing me the opportunity to, um, you know, sledge you about it as males do to bond and show affection. Uh, yes. He goes, it was the battle of the chests last mm. night. Uh, all the pre-match billing of Australia versus West Indies was, was about who could best deliver bounces, who mm. was cock of the bumper walk, you know, uh, the, the bumper conflict. Uh, th- this match had so many great components in a really helter-skelter way. There were, there were bumpers, there were Yorkers, there was pace, there was power hitting, superb catching, disgraceful fielding, short boundaries, collapses, and it was a sort of antidote to the like sterility of a lot of modern international cricket with their sort of 300 plus scores uh, reinforced mm. again that the sort of high 200 scores are eminently more watchable because there's that true bat v ball 
contest. And this game really did ebb and flow in that sense. Uh, the main thing that I learned that, especially doing the Guardian over by over live blog, is that um, there will be a mass collective disappointment around the world and especially in the UK uh, after this result. Um, Australia are just villains plus. And mm. um, although this match was... Even money-ish heading into it, most of the spin now is that it was a great escape for Australia, you know, that they saved their blushes. Uh, They did win the cricket match, but by God, were they given an almighty fright being 38 for four, and I said it that way, yeah, and 79 for five. Um, We'll probably start there, hey? Yeah, I guess so, mate. I mean, uh, the, the bowling was amazing. Uh, I mean, the first over from Thomas went for 10. I think the, I think his first ball uh, landed somewhere around about square leg, uh, five wide straight away. But then after that, I mean, the next, like, 15 overs were all West Indies, and it was good. It was it was really exciting. I mean, it was like it was actually the first taste I've seen of, like, Australia doing what typically Australians do to the other teams. Mm-hmm. Just, just a barrage of, like, back of the length. It wasn't all bumpers. It was all just back of the length. And, like, mm-hmm. the... The bounce that these guys get—it was like watching fucking Space Jam bowl. Like yeah. the, the, the size of the West Indies, I can't think of a bigger team ever. And I'm talking <laughs> about the NBA. Um, I mean, just I, the, the athleticism of these guys is absolutely incredible. I had to laugh immediately just at the toss when Holder's standing at Finch, and obviously Finch isn't you know a massive guy, but and Holder's just a, just absolutely dwarfing him. It's incredible. But yeah. I mean, even just with our natural, um, you know, just just sheer genetics, like they they, they bowl back of a length. It's splicing the bat all the time. Um, watching Steve Smith just being his OCD best and just like doing those, all those eccentric movements where like a, the ball hits like the splice of the bat or like going past his shoulder and like flailing elbows and arms and shoulders and all those weird things that he does. It's real. It's just good. Mm. It's so good watching the West Indies bowl like that. It was, it was and then, a... and then after that, there wasn't much to be fair for me. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It was really meaty cricket. I'm glad you picked up on how well they bowled at the start rather than it being like a complete excoriation of Australia's batting. Uh, they are athletic, the West Indies, but it was they were great tactics too. They were playing on that same Trent Bridge wicket where they dusted Pakistan. It was a dusty wicket in a lot of ways, which I think created a little bit of variable bounce, but a lot of it was kind of um, elicited by the West Indies in and of themselves as well. And you're right, you know, they really had the Aussie batsman on the hop. You know, I have to say, like, there was a part of me as an Australian that was, um, you know, more than a little bit angry, you know, to see our own guys get so worked over by bounces. Mm. You know, when you grow up on what's meant to be fast, bouncy wickets against a side that, like, literally went through qualification to make the World Cup <laughs> uh, and only just did so as mm. well, to, to just be so... Um, you know, to, to be so all at sea against mm. O'Shane Thomas, Sheldon Cottrell, Andre Russell, the last of which is probably the only name most Australians had ever heard of mm. before, it, it really give, did, did give cause for concern. It, you know, mm. I don't know where to start on the dismissals, but um, let's just go right for the right for the top. The, the way Usman Khawaja got out uh, will live yeah. long in the memory, you know, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. If you haven't seen it, uh, he... The context for, for Kawaja was he got knocked down in the practice game against the West Indies, and there was a lot of talk that the Windies would resume bowling short to him. They did that. I'd love to know how many times he was hit uh, and how many times he kind of executed a duck pull shot, uh, but he looked he struggled you know he he might have he might have sort of ropily got a few to the boundaries, but he really struggled and uh, it all culminated in him getting really sort of worked over by two bounces and the following ball backing away, <laughs> uh, giving himself room to hit over the top if you wanted to be nice to him. If you wanted to be horrible, you'd say he literally backed away, showed all three stumps and tried to hit a guy out of the ground over his head after being all at sea and he nicked through to the keeper. It was, um, it was sort of wicked that, like, if that happened at any grade level, you know... The pavilion would fall silent. There'd be a few <laughs> sideways glances, and there'd be a knowledge that, well, this bloke's not playing this grade next week. Yeah, <laughs> mate. I, I, I was watching the bowl, and like, you would know what it's like. Um, 
you know when like a, a, someone really tall comes on and mm. you just immediately think, well, I just can't get on the front foot here. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. like the, the the actual trajectory of the ball means that like everything is going to hit like between basically hip and shoulder. Um, and like you, you think about some of those short balls that specifically Thomas was bowling because of his jump that he bowls, and he also is just a massive lad in that. Like the actual length that he needs to hit to get the ball up to around shoulder height isn't actually that short. So when you see it bounce, you kind of you're not going back straight away, even though you're not going forward either. You're kind of just like trapped in this space. You compare that to someone like a, a Dale Stain, for instance, who's obviously much shorter, very lower trajectory when he comes into the crease. It's, it's skiddier, so he needs to bounce the ball shorter. So you see yeah. the ball, for, you know, for longer. Um, but there's that is that really weird like paradigm of there's a spot in the wicket and that height and that all those angles and that you know Pythagoras' theorem happening. In your head, um, you know, and 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 Kawaja just couldn't just couldn't get it, and then he was just like, "Nah, fuck this! I'm just going to back away and just hope for the best." And then all the batsmen were late on it. All the batsmen, like, it looked like all the West Indies were bowling heavy balls, pairs, you know, like oh, super I heavy. think the heaviest. Apart from uh, apart from Finch, who I just thought just got absolute peach. To be fair, it wasn't didn't do a lot. Oh long. yeah, um, you know, Kawaja, even though he nicked it, he, he was he was late on that ball, and, and Maxwell was was out pulling. But he was late on the ball. Um, who Mate, we're, t- we're talking about fundamental technical deficiencies. I mean, that's the part that scares you the most about the Australian top order. Mm. It, we're not. To- I mean, in Maxwell's case, <laughs> that's a temperament question because he was at. He, he skied one that hit the splice or shoulder of his bat in his second delivery, mm. and that was sort of three for 30 at that stage. Mm. Uh, so that, that's a separate issue altogether, but nothing new for Glenn Maxwell. Uh, you know, you could say in his defence, well, at least he didn't last long enough to see whether he just simply couldn't play that sort of delivery <laughs> or those, those mm. deliveries. So we'll never mm. know. With Kawaja, we do. I mean, that's a that's blueprint sort of stuff with Kawaja. I know the West Indians, you know, execute that short stuff probably better than most. We'd have to say that mm. now. But when, you know, any club cricketer knows <clears throat> when someone can't play a short ball. Mm. And I, I do think that, you know, other teams would be mad not to look at the way Kawaja got out and went, well, okay, that's how he gets bowled to now. You know, yeah, he, it's, his it's career that... almost doesn't come back until he sorts that out. I know that sounds really alarmist and the West Indians bowled it, you know, executed it in a particularly good way. But when mm. you're shown to not be able to consistently play balls that are targeted at your head, well, then mm. you can expect balls targeted at your head forever until you sort mm. that out. Yeah, it's, it's weird, though, because I, I think it's actually quite good on the short ball. I don't know what I don't know what it is about, like, I think the West Indies just, just generally just surprised every batsman. They surprised Pakistan when they blitzed them for 100 last game, and they were surprising our top order as well. I'm, I'm just thinking as well, just, just, to, just to move down the batting order. Yep. Stoinis was, well, you know, he was pulling. He, he was late on that ball as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a real, like, just reading the pace of the game. Well, that's true, and, and, and Look, that's a wicked thing too, and that's probably where I'd temper what I was saying before. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, Coulthard came on, and we'll talk about him and Smith in a second. But he came off afterwards and was like, "Look, it just takes a long time to get the pace of that wicket." So, mm-hmm. you know, with any, you know, maybe it was a wicket thing because the only other thing in relation to that that's kind of similar. Um, to the West Indies Pakistan matches, it was played on the same wicket. So maybe it isn't mm. going to be. Maybe it would be different on a different wicket. I don't know. The nature of the way yeah. they struggled with those short balls, though, you know, I think it's a real blueprint there. Uh, just reserving some absolute kind of how, how would you say it? Complete excusing from this discussion is um, Steve Smith, who was in there <laughs> very quickly and. At no stage looked uncomfortable. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's, he it's had amazing, a technique amazing. and a method to survive it and really showed his class. I mean, it stood out like, I'm sorry to say, dog's balls. That's a very crude image at uh, nice. 5.54 a.m. this morning. But, yeah, I mean, i got to say, you know, it, I, I didn't realise how much I missed him. <laughs> I mean, he's oh, so mate. good. He, mate, just, he, he's, he brings so much stability, so much skill. I don't care about his technique. People say it's Kadichesque or whatever. He, the arrangement of his body is just, uh, it's so, it's like second to none. Mate, uh, he's playing a different sport, honestly. Like, yeah. you, you, know, you know, as a fan and, you know, like uh, you're sort of watching your team bat and you're worried about, like, it, 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 there was times there for the first 20 overs when, like, a wicket could have happened every ball. Yeah. Uh, but then when, when Smith was on strike, I was like, ah, oh, it's all right, Steve Smith was on strike. He would just get a single. They would bow on his hip and he would just get, get away with one for one. 
Hey, it's just it's, it's just a full incredible. full range of dealing with short balls. You know, he could duck, he could weave, he mm. could pull, he could hook, he could get inside the line, he could paddle it, he could work it around the corner. He had a lot of options. You know, his game is obviously in really great touch. You know, that that that's a huge innings for him, I think. Just to, to be able to have the um the tools for that for the difficulty of that wicket and that bowling when all of his colleagues did not. Uh you know, is a really great sign for him and just shows that he's he's got everything together. So uh, it was fantastic innings from him and then he ended up succumbing to um, a catch that you could argue is the best of the World Cup, <laughs> genuinely. <laughs> um, what a catch mm. from Sheldon Cottrell on the boundary. The comparisons with Stokes are going to be extremely tedious, so it doesn't matter. But, like, you know, if you didn't see the game, Smith's absolutely whipped the bejesus out of a ball uh, that was on off stump. So it sort of had top spin. It had torque. It was right off the middle of his bat. It was going flat for six. It was probably going to kill somebody uh, in the crowd. <laughs> so that's the second you know, reason why it's better than Stokes's. Although someone else might have died there too. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, it's, it was a global highlight, Sheldon Cottrell's catch. That, that's something that will transcend cricket news. Yeah, true. Mate, I, I was I was thinking about that, and I stand by uh, Stokes' catch is, is, is way harder. I mean, the, it, it, this is literally a thing I was saying the other day about how it, it looks flashier, and, like, Cottrell's catch is amazing. It's a really, really good catch. Um, there's just an element of flukiness about it because, like, he doesn't... He doesn't move amazingly, and he's kind of he's got like a clumsy aesthetic in a lot of ways, and it just makes me think that it was it was a little bit of fortune in the way he plucks the ball out of the air. And that might be extremely harsh, but like I was also thinking, you know, in, in the Australian innings, for instance, in the Australian bowling innings or in batting innings, Glenn Maxwell takes a really really fantastic catch running uh, you know running backwards and, and taking the catch over his shoulder I think that's actually technically a harder catch you know the, the catch running over the shoulder it's not it's not as flashy um, Sheldon Cottrell will, will you know rightly be lauded for his fantastic catch but I think actually like Stokes's catch is just unreal skill level just unreal difficulty Maxwell's catch is probably harder as well um, but there's just that element of, of luck anyway I mean Cottrell's an amazing catch there's no point you know, dissecting it other than that um I've I've got a bit of a thing about Stoinis, mate. Um, in that uh, I'm in love with him. In that uh, he he hasn't scored runs in a long time, and um, you know he was one of many guys who didn't score a lot of runs in this game for Australia. But like he doesn't fill me with confidence. Like he's the guy who's who's going to get seventy in his next innings. I mean, I literally said the last podcast, "What the fuck are Coulton Isles?" And he's just hit ninety or fifty rocks. So what do I know? But there's I think there is a thing of like I. I you know, he's such an important player, Stoinis. He's batting six and he's bowling ten overs. You know, so he's not he's not coming out of the team because how do you, you sort of need to bring in two players for his one? But yeah, you know, like, did you have any confidence when we were when we were four for you know four for forty that he was going to you know score fifty? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean, mate. Um, in many ways, you know, the criticism of Stoinis's batting is he doesn't start quickly enough, and th- there was no need for that uh, in yeah. this inning. So it, it should have. In, you know, theoretically played into his hands. Look, he did. He did steady it somewhat. They were four for thirty-eight yeah. for four when he came in, yeah. uh, and then they put on sort of forty odd, forty-one mm-hmm. with Smith. So there was it was a slight steadying hit twenty odd. He got himself in and he got himself out, uh, trying to force something that probably wasn't quite there. He was trying to pull a ball that was a bit fuller than that, mm-hmm. uh, and hadn't clearly hadn't gotten used to the wicket yet. So he he too looked. Jarred and rattled by the short bowling as well. There was a couple of occasions where he sort of showed all three stumps. I'm sure those guys that in short format cricket aren't used to that kind of peppering. <laughs> in many ways, they play on flat wickets. A lot of them are, you know, over in India where they're slow and low, so they can front dog it uh, whenever possible. But yeah, I take your point, mate. He bat six. He couldn't really rescue it, and then he bowled four overs with the ball overnight. Just wasn't really um, his match or his situation he conceded 18 so I guess he was miserly enough they're going to stick with him I presume because of the you know competitor factor or something you know he sort of can get himself into a contest or can get himself a big wicket Stoinis you know that he's a guy that they just so desperately want to do well he's like the um he's the final piece of the Australian balance puzzle but you're right you know does he does he do that well? We've had better number sixes in the past, mm. and we've probably had better middle over bowlers. Good mates with so Sam, but they were quite funny. So, you know, yeah. So what I'm that. saying is, what the fuck is a stoyness? Mm. Um, so, so, 
Uh, we haven't even got to Colton Isle yet, and we've been going for 15 minutes yeah. here. But, um, but uh, it, just a shout-out for Carey, who I thought yeah. batted pro- pro- almost the best of anyone in the whole game. I thought he batted absolutely superbly. Mm. Um, and I think you might listen to this podcast, actually. Anyway, that's, uh, <laughs> uh, that's just an aside. Just, um, But uh, I, I thought he, his balance looked supreme. He was almost batting on a different wicket again with Smith. He played like on the on the up-cover drives. Yep. Uh, was a huge part in, in resurrecting the innings. Um, so... Uh, he well was done, so bright. So he came in at 79 for five. He didn't score a run for 15 balls mm. uh, and then ended up catching up to Smith about 20 yeah. balls later through some mm. sumptuous cover drives. Yeah. Very elegant, very graceful, very mm. busy. I think mm. he's got a huge future, Alex Carey. He's a little bit older yeah. than uh, it might appear for someone who's sort of more recently on the scene. The only mark against mm. him is, is, a, is another one of these failed footy players. But, mm. um, uh, you know, actually... I have to confess, even though you know we give footy a hammering, by that I mean Aussie rules, when he came in and Australia was 79 for five and we were desperate for some character, I thought, well, you know, this bloke's played Aussie rules. He speaks well. He'll know how to dig in. You know, and he did. And they sort of turned it around. Uh, he ended up getting an absolute, well, not absolute beauty, but, I mean, just quick, quickly on Andre Russell as well. Such, yeah. such a supreme cricketer. I mean, his body's yeah. nearly falling apart. But he, it was yeah. his bowling was so old school. You know, he'd start his new spell. He couldn't mm. get it over 120 because the body's not mm. working yet. Mm. And probably the only good comment Michael Clark made on commentary was, you know, all they need is to be hit for four and they get going. It's exactly what happened to, to Dre <laughs> Russ a few times. The next one comes out 140 and he just mm. gets angry and just bowls. You know, I love bowlers who have that change up that can bowl that faster yeah, bumper. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the sign of a really good cricketer. You know, it's just a shame. Mm. His body just seems in absolute tatters, Russell. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then it, it was that contest between him and Coulton Isle, who I think we should reserve some time for, that kind of yeah. changed Australia's innings. They kept Russell on for too long because uh, they thought... He thought he'd get Coulson Isle out, I think. And then yeah. Coulson Isle somehow just um, rode his luck early on and then just produced some supreme hitting, clean, and just targeting that short boundary. And, uh, mate, 92 off 60 balls, the most yeah. runs ever for in a World Cup from anyone from number eight down to 11. Yeah. Uh, and won the match for Australia. Mm. So mm. what is a call tonight? Well, he's a match winner with the bat. Now we see why he bats above Cummins, uh, mm. you know, and again, fantastic salad. Mate, he, he literally won the game and we've obviously spent a lot of time on the Australian batting innings, but batting innings, but that was kind of the whole game in a nutshell. I think once Australia got to maybe 240, 250, mm. with, you know, with like five overs left, six overs left, it was like, I think Australia just won the game. I mm. think there's a, such a turnaround in the, in the feeling and with Australia's attack, um, you always just thought on that wicket that it was going to be enough. So, so <laughs> if we've heavily focused on the Australian bad innings, that's why. Um, I, I, said, I think I might have said a couple of episodes ago that I think like if Australia goes anywhere in this World Cup, you need Stoinis, Coulton-Isle, you know, these, like these sort of fringish players or not the star players to, to basically have supreme World Cups and, they, and for them to win your games for Australia to do stuff. Well, Coulton-Isle has just almost single-handedly won the game for Australia. Yeah. Um, because not only did he steady the ship and have great partners, he was he was scoring it. He was scoring at two hundred. Yeah. <laughs> like he's hit ninety two of sixty balls. Yeah. I mean, you know, another guy just batting on a different wicket to everyone yeah. else. Um, he is a clean hitter. I, I will say that, uh, and that's that's something that never changed. And some of that late order, late order hitting was very impressive. Um, I don't know what else to say about Coulton. I mean, it was his first ever 50, so I think I was probably right to just to defend myself, right to say, like, what is he? No, 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 uh, you were, com- he, you were he, completely wrong. Yeah, well, I mean, we all woke up this morning <laughs> thinking, well, Coulton Isle's the linchpin here with the bat. You know, if he can get yeah. going, Australia's, uh, you know, really great shakes. I mean, the, the yeah. other match winner, he goes, because sort of um, banging on about this, but, uh, you know, Mitch Stark, people who mm. might have stayed up to see the early throws of the second innings would have seen him bowl absolutely mm. rapid to Chris Gale, mm. or would have looked rapid because, to be fair to Gale, he's 40. Uh, but <laughs> he survived a few LBW shouts early. Gale and another one nicked the stump. Sounded like he was caught behind, but it literally kissed the stump uh, and wasn't out. But uh, Stark bowled really quickly. The West Indies were on track, though, before Stark came back and just went bang, 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 and it was over. No substitute for pace or his angle. And, um, mm. you know, he's really... it's. <laughs> Uh, talk. I mean, I know we're talking about fringe guys being the key to Australia's cricket, but in many ways, Australian cricket, you know, no Mitch Stark, no Australia. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, mm. If he doesn't fire, we've, you know, we become Australia becomes very benign with the ball. So, mm. um, five for forty-six, Stark, incredible effort. But- 
Mate, I'm just thinking about like some of, like just the West Indies as a whole, and I I'd like absolutely loved their first hour, two hours of cricket yesterday. There's just so much like everything that is good about cricket is in the yep. West Indies. Like just the actual like the absolute characters in their team, like um, and like you know playing up to the crowd, all that kind of yep. stuff. You know, but just the stories. You know, like um, Thomas uh, is a guy from a real rough part of. Um, mm. Uh, is it uh, Kingston? Kingstown? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, you've seen his brother got shot when he was eleven. His brother was sixteen, was shot and killed. He saw that. Uh, you know, Cottrell is literally a serviceman. Mm. <laughs> he like is literally in the army. Is it? Um, mm. um, you know, like Andre Russell, great, great energy. To, you know, Chris mm. Gale playing up to the crowd. All this stuff. There's gold chains everywhere. Yeah. Massive watches. You know, red red shoes. Uh, Cottrell's sunglasses are something else. I mean, whatever whatever speed he's slinging, I'm having it. Yeah, uh, it, it's 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 awesome. Oh, I, man. I, when like that, when when I was in London last year, it's awesome. Sorry, he goes. Like just speaking of the spirit of uh, like West Indian cricket, I was lucky enough to play a game for like the Australia House team against a Barbadian eleven as part mm-hmm. of a um, Barbadian cultural festival, and there was a couple of thousand awesome. people there. Uh, and I, I might have talked about this on the cast, but, like, it was in this beautiful place in London, and, like, I'm telling you, it was just teeming with um, West Indian people, reggae music playing over the stereo, <laughs> the whiff of some of, uh, you know, the finest green um, substances <laughs> wafting through the ground, um, rum everywhere, just yeah. everyone having fun, and we got absolutely towed up by guys that I'm sure play first-class cricket. Um, <laughs> when West Indies cricket is good... You know, global cricket is good. They've just yeah. played the game the way it should be played. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, okay, so Australia to win and man of the series is Nathan Coulton-Ol, as we've always said. Because um, we spoke before about, uh, you know, Kawaja is, is going to face some more bounces in the future. I tell you what, two of the best, absolute best fast bowls in the world were on display against uh, South Africa and India. Uh, Rabada and Bumra were just incredible. I'm not sure how much of you of, of those um, those spells that you saw. Just sheer pace, accuracy, relentless line and length, um, heavy balls. It was um, it was quite something. Uh, I mean, the, the whole point of that match is that uh, South Africa now open three and probably need to win. Well, they probably need to win at least five. They might need to win all six uh, to have a shot of the finals. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, this World Cup is already um, making it clear that I think like you can probably make it into four spots, four spot with four, uh, with so five wins. Um, but a Safia, a cooked, mate. Yeah, it looks it looks like it, mate. I mean, we're not seeing evidence in their games despite losses that like there's actually some green shoots there their batting mm. looks creaky I know I've used that word a few mm. times this cast uh, the, the bowling doesn't really seem to be coming to the party we're not seeing fireworks from Roberto and Pefliquayo and Tahir and stuff like that that they seem to be justifiably losing so it's hard to see how the trend reverses mm. Decock's not um, you know guiding them to great starts Duplessis looks a good control batsman, but there's not much happening around him. So yeah, it's just funny. I, I don't know if it, I just keep coming back to them, how much they hammered Australia yeah. <laughs> like only a few months ago, and then they just look a, a shadow of their former well, selves. They can't, they can't field, say. mate. They literally cannot field. I mean, I said yeah. a couple of shows ago, like how they're hiding guys in the field. Um, might have been actually after the England game. There was a lot of discussion. Um, about guys I need to hide in the field, but then like some of the catching this World Cup from them has been absolutely horrific. And uh, Rabada in the India game put in a real fiery performance with the new ball in his in his second spell and just just let down in the field yeah. to be honest, which is a really unusual thing given that um, South Africa's uh, heritage, you know, in the field of having all these great athletic fieldsmen. Um, there's not many. Um, JP Dumini fields backward point, and with all the love in the world, you know, if he is your best fielder, it, it probably says a lot. Even Faf Duplessis can't throw. Like, he literally, his, his arm doesn't go round anymore. It's weird. Um, anyway, India joined the World Cup, and, um, you know, nice to see them do nice well. Rohit, Rohit Sharma, 120 knot. Mm-hmm. Um, got a couple of chances, but um, he, he's, he's underrated, and he's probably one of the best ODI players to have ever played the game. Mm. <laughs> he's, he's got like three double hundreds. Mm. Colin said uh, it was the best hundred he'd seen him hit. Really? Mm. That's a big call because he's hit some hundreds. Um, I don't know. 
I don't know what I want from you, but I mean, it's obviously, it's obviously news here that uh, AB Davidi has offered to come out of retirement um, to play the World Cup. Uh, he did the opposite of what every uh, grade cricketer wants, and you always want to be invited back, uh, asked to come back for one more season. Um, he did. Uh, he put his name forward to play, and uh, Cricket South Africa said, "Nah, you're right." <laughs> yeah, he, he definitely gave. He definitely decided he was retiring, you know, last season, and uh, mm. like many great players, and just before the season started, changed his mind um, mm. because he saw the guys at, tr- at training and hung out with them uh, at the pub, mm. you know, on the Thursday mm. night, and said, "Okay, I'll go mm. around again," but he hadn't mm. paid his rego, and uh, mm. yeah. so they said, "No, AB De Villiers." Um, well, we're running short of time here before we get to. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, we need to get to Adam Collins over in the UK. But um, you know, New Zealand beat Bangladesh, um, uneventful. Uh, I'll just ask you this, Pez: Are people are people sleeping on both New Zealand and Bangladesh? Uh, I don't think they're sleeping on New Zealand. I think a lot of people sort of had him in their top four, mate. Uh, you know, they sort of seem to be the fourth team that everyone thinks will get their way through. I think there's a lot of respect for them and what they can do in ODI cricket. I think a lot of people mm. think New Zealand can dust you on their day. Mm. Bangladesh are the mm. ones I think that are surprising people. Mm. They still made the final four of the Champions Trophy. You know, they can they can really play. You know, and they're mm. they're quite um, they're quite complete. You know, from one mm. through to eleven, they have a style. Mm. They they bat really well. You know, they have guys that can take the game away from you. So mm. it's great to see them arrive. They, you know, they're going to mm. give. They they're going to be there and thereabouts. I think Bangladesh. Mm. All right, uh, let's get to Adam Collins now in the UK. This episode is brought to you by Columbia Sportswear. It's snowing again. And that wind chill is killer. But you're not worried about that because you shop the Omni Heat Infinity Collection. It's warmth perfected with tiny gold dots that reflect your body heat inside and protect you from the cold outside. No snow or chilly temps can stop you now. Go out anyway. Shop the Omni Heat Infinity Collection now at Columbia.com slash infinity. It's been too long since we've spoken with Colo. Uh, for those who do know our Wikipedia page, and thank you to whoever put that together, uh, they will rightly note that Adam Collins is the best friend of the show with eight appearances. This would be his ninth, <laughs> I believe. Colo is from everywhere. He's a freelance extraordinaire. Uh, not only does he do a great podcast, The Final Word, with Jeff Lemon, he appears on Wisdom, Guardian. Actually, just think of any media platform that exists at, that needs an Australian correspondent. Colo is there. Uh, absolute powerhouse of work. I hope you enjoy that intro. Best friend of the show, Adam Collins. How are you? I miss you, blokes. That's very kind. Hope you're going well. (laughs) 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 I'm sitting in my car at 6am. It's been better. (laughs) Uh, Collar, you were were there at uh, Trent Bridge today to witness uh, Australia, uh, I suppose, squeezing themselves home (laughs) against the Windies. How was it at the ground? It was great. Probably the best atmosphere, with the exception of the Bangladesh game on Sunday. That was that was great today. I went to the game yesterday at the Rose Bowl where India were playing and it was half empty when the game started for reasons that I won't bore you with. But today was red hot and especially when the Windies fast bowlers were up and about to begin with and Australia under pressure. And I made this observation before that it felt like Australia digging themselves out of trouble and finding a way to win with the ball had it was kind of more important than the two points on offer. It just felt like after 18 months where Australia's been a rabble in so many different ways. I mean, they've recovered. There's been some notable exceptions, but this felt like it was an important stepping stone where they could learn how to win ugly and, and fight back in a, in a situation where had they lost today, they would have been in the pack. Now they're two and zip. And it was a fairly, uh, fairly wonderful performance from the captain, Aaron Finch. I don't know if you've had a chance to go through his bowling changes, but he had the Midas touch today. Every time he made a, a change, it seemed to play in Australia's favour. And, and they come away from it feeling as though they probably maybe not got one foot in the semi-final. That'd be overstretching it, but certainly every chance of making the final four. And we wouldn't have said that six months ago. Mm. There's a famous book, uh, Colo, from Edward de Bono called Six Thinking Hats. I often put the black hat on. <laughs> where do you, where do you, I mean, there's so much said about Australia's ODI winning streak. I think it kind of flatters to deceive a little bit. Yeah. I think that both games have shown some evidence of uh, many frailties in the, in the Australian side. Uh, obviously, they've done well to win overnight, but the, the latest exposure is, is the top order <laughs> to the short ball. Where, where do you, you cover a lot of these teams? You know, where do you pitch Australia in the, uh, I guess, the, the global pantheon of uh, teams with designs of winning the tournament? Well, like they probably shouldn't make the semifinals. I mean, if you look at it on paper and you look at it on form, forget about the winning streak to an extent because it was Pakistan A and great, wonderful effort to get over India. But, I mean, 
if you look at it in a slightly broader context, they're, they're going to be scratching to make the final four, which makes this all the more important. At, per the short ball, it's the the fashion, isn't it? It seems as though they came into this tournament, the short ball goes in and out of vogue, and at the moment it's working. Um, the Kawaja dismissal, I know you talked about it at the time, Sam, but uh, it, it's hard getting hit in the head twice in the space of four games, which Kawaja has done now. Um, I'm sure that infected his dismissal to a certain extent. So I felt for him in a way. Uh, but, like, how often has Steve Smith had to bat with the bowlers? It's like he's gone back in time to before the ban, in the middle of a collapse. He's the guy standing up the other end watching it all take place. And there he was again today. He had good support from Alex Carey. But then Nathan Coulson-Isle, I think that's a wonderful story, really, when you consider all that he's gone through with the, the spinal fracture thing and the, the consistent hamstring injuries, that the, the, uh, the dislocated shoulder, I think it was, a couple of years ago. Um, he's been backed heavily by selectors because they know how good he is, but he's just not had an opportunity to string it together over a long period of time and got his chance today with the bat. And I just think it was a, it's a lovely moment, and I'm sure that that sort of positive energy um, will help and should infect through the squad, really. This is, the, um, you know, this is a, a team which is talking about its humility at the moment a lot. It's saying how they sort of accept what happened and, and so forth, and they're trying to find a, a new way to play cricket. Well, there's a good example in Nathan coulton someone who's fought back against serious adversity and got back to the top of his game and been man of the match in a, in a, in a very competitive World Cup fixture. So sort of more power to him. Colin, do you reckon that the, the wickets have really suited the West Indies in these last couple of games at Trent Bridge here, where there's that sort of there's a bit of thackiness to the pitch? I mean, they're buying amazing pace and, and lengths, but can this really be sustained for the entire tournament? Yeah, probably not, because there'll be some used pitches. Not as many as we thought building up. We thought they might be quite a few games played on repeat pitches, which I should add, today was too. Today was a used pitch, but we know from what happens in English summer, the deeper you get into it, the more the, the, more the ball takes to turning and, uh, and they'll need to probably find a better solution than that. the nurse who was, you know, he was, he was serviceable today, but they'll need someone who can complement their quicks. Mm. But, I mean, everyone wants to see the same thing. The curators, or, or groundsmen as they call them here, I like how we call them curators, like at some artistic gallery or something, and everyone else <laughs> calls them groundsmen. Um, they, they have been, they've been told to produce wickets which are lively. So, like... I, I, at least the first half of the tournament, they should have a comparative advantage. I mean, they choked today, though. Let's, let's not sort of mince words about it here. It was a good bowling change from Stark to, rather from Finch to you, Stark, when he did. But they were cruising. I, I, can't, I can't overstate this point. They were absolutely cruising to a 45-over victory, despite the fact they were losing consistent wickets. They were doing it on the bit. They were scoring at five or six and over without even trying between the overs to say 30 and 42. And then it all started falling down around them. And Jason Holder was great until he got out. Andre Russell played a stupid shot trying to take on Mitchell Stark, a ball on the stumps, which we know that when Stark's actually aiming the ball at the stumps, he's very hard to get away. So instead of waiting to pluck off runs from Maxwell and Stoinis, who had to bowl plenty of overs as the fifth bowler and had still had maybe three or four in the can, they decided to go early at Stark and, and they paid dearly for it, losing their three big hitters, Brathwaite, um, Russell and Holder, all fell to that last spell of Stark, which mm-hmm. was brilliant i mean you know his previous spell he was trash and then he came back and and bowled every ball pretty much on the on the uh, on the sand shoes and and that's what the difference was colo uh we understand that you are about to receive a call from a radio station that's um probably actually i don't like that. i don't like we've got to go early i feel as though i want to spend longer talking to you blokes just to, just to catch up really but i guess <laughs> well, it's gonna yeah, have to no. be this way Exactly. So, look, we will let you go uh, unless you get a call waiting call right now. Can you just describe as an Aussie in the UK, uh, and I know you're more of a global man yourself anyway, but, uh, you know, what is Australia's villainy really like uh, over there at the moment? Yeah, I think that I seriously think we've reached a point where people are just playing their role. Like, really, people don't give a fuck about cricket here anyway, right? Let's remember that. So people who come to the games... As a rule, there are cricket fans there, but a third of the people attending this World Cup, a third of them have never been to a cricket game before. That's the data from the World Cup. So I think that wow. people who are rocking up, yes, they'll have a familiarity with what happened last year. How could they not? But they're booing because that's just what they're told to do when they rock up. I don't think there's like a huge amount of venom in it. In fact, I'd go as far to say that proper cricket people probably think it's all a bit shit. Um, so, yes, there is a degree of, um, you know, we, we, are the, we are the bad guys. We are the baddies. There's no doubt about it. But... Um, the extent to which it's fed income versus just kind of like a thing that people are doing, I, I think it's more the latter. Uh, and far up, undoubtedly, during the Ashes again, when it's when it's got that sort of different frame around. But like when Australia are playing Sri Lanka, are people going to be booing in two weeks' time? Like I strongly doubt it. Adam Collins with all the insight from Nottingham and the UK. It's great to have him on the show. Great to hear your voice. Such a 
clean, erudite voice it is too. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, mate. No worries, man. Love you guys. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hashtag Ask TGC Pezza. Um, thanks very much to Adam Collins there joining us from the UK. Mate, just before we get into this, I've got to tell you, like, I mean, the World Cup might be the end of me. I mean, I'm making some serious sacrifices here to watch these games, but I'm, I'm all in, mate. I, I'm all about this World Cup. It's good. It, I, just the context of all these games is exciting. You know, like, I, I haven't watched, you know, Australia versus West Indies playing a one-dayer in probably 15 years. <laughs> but all of a sudden, the context of it is it's awesome. Like, I think, like, the, there's something about a World Cup in the UK as well, mate, you know, like, the, um, the the sort of I mean, for a side, it's a great mix of um, ethnicities in the crowd. You know, obviously the UK have uh, a very strong Antipodean population. Barbadian culture. You were talking about before how you played um, in a game of uh, uh, against uh, a Barbadian eleven. Uh, people came out to watch it. It's obviously a huge East and West Asian population in the UK as well. So, like, all these games have, like, a nice vibe about it. Um, yeah. But aside from that, like, the cricket's good. I was scared that, like, all these games are going to be, like, you know, 500 plays, 450. Um, but, like, it's just there's, – there's a bit in it. Like, cricket in England is the best. It's the best. Yeah, definitely the home of cricket. Couldn't – can't add anything more, especially in relation to the people who come to watch it mm. and – Maybe we'll talk a bit later on a longer show about some of the issues facing people watching cricket in England, you know, not least mm. that it's behind a paywall. Mm. And I was really did not... I mean, Colo is exactly right around people not giving a shit about cricket in England. It's a, it's a crass way of putting it. Obviously, they do, but it's not until you go over there that you realise that it is somewhere in the region. Of, it's a special it's a special interest sport, mm. uh, and that's largely because it went behind a paywall. Mm. Uh, as Aussies, we don't really see it that way because we just regard, we sort of tune into English cricket every couple of years when Australia's over there, right. and, and that rivalry is special. But on the whole, uh, it is quite... It's a bit niche. Yeah. People, I think, I think they did a survey the other, like, like the other year, and more people... More kids were familiar with John Cena, the wrestler, than Alistair Cook. Mm. So I hope that, you know, there's no doubt this World Cup is huge uh, for England cricket mm. and they will be aiming to win both the World Cup and demolish us in the ashes. And good luck to John Cena in his um, fledgling acting career. Uh, Ronan uh, Prig rather, writes in to hashtag RCGC. He says, hey, TGC. As a failed club cricket opening batsman with an average of 20-odd, 13, and a strike rate of 23.21, I have been forced to turn to the academic world for validation. I recently completed a research essay on masculinity in the Australian men's cricket team in the mid-2000s as part of my undergrad and was pretty chuffed at having translated some of the deeper concepts explored on grade cricketer into academic literature. However, after listening to your show on Wednesday, I was completely outward by an academic who had already written extensively on this concept and even had an author in I still don't know what the fuck that is, but it sounds academically superior to my undergrad. My question to you gentlemen is this. Given I've now failed in in the academic and sporting world, where should I turn to next in order to validate myself as a person? Thank you. Ronan. P.S. If you guys are in the UK, we need to, and need to alpha faf duplicy, just call him Francois, which is his actual first name. (laughs) We're getting a few questions here, guys, aren't we, about people... Taking the academic route in relation to Australian masculinity. Yes. I guess all I want to say is get the fuck back in your lane. That's my lane. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Nah. It's good. Yes. It's good to see. It's good to see people talking about this. I'd love to know what this um, professor uh, is. That, is that what he's called him? Uh, what this sort of academic advisor has done in relation to this topic as well. Mm. An author index. Never heard of it. Never heard of her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just try, trying to alpha unsuccessfully there. Uh, 
Yeah, what what should he what should he do? He goes. I've got no idea. Uh, I mean, he's tried the physical sporting world. He's tried the academic world. There's always someone who tries to alpha you. I think that's the lesson. It's more about deal with the alphas mm-hmm. that are everywhere in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know this is going to sound really cliche. I, I get alphaed in my own home by my <laughs> one year old son. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's not really something you conquer in different fields. Go, oh, I can just alpha this person. Like you could go work at an after school care with with six or seven year old kids. I guarantee kids there will just have the character to alpha you yeah. wherever yeah. Uh, you, you can't you can't escape it yeah. thoughts you guys just get really big in the gym uh, yeah just get big quick quick cricket and get big um, Chris Tremblay that's that's the, that's the secret to happiness and all alpha them um, I'm not calling Faf de Blissy Francois that would be one of the I mean like one thing that you can do if you you know someone in a lower team than you or someone that you want to um you know, have some sort of familiarity with. You do call them the extent, the extension of their first name. So Steve becomes Correct. Stephen, Phil becomes yes. Philip, all that kind of stuff yeah. to to create some sort of familiarity. That's how you show you actually know them, have known them since youth, isn't it? Yes. That's a big one with Steve O'Keefe. It's Stephen, and same same with Steve Smith. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Um, okay, yeah, which is what you were saying. You just said the same thing twice. Okay, Jack Hurst uh, <laughs> writes in. Hi guys, in light of Bearstow's recent form, brackets scoring runs for fun. Mm. Has he gotten over the rare unit headbutt situation with Bancroft, or does he still need to score a million runs in in World Cup? <laughs> <laughs> and Ashes double. Cheers, Jack. <laughs> Differently phrased to our friend Ronan above talking about masculinity in academia. This is with Bearstow's headbutt. Does he need to score a million runs in World Cup and Ashes double? <laughs> Uh, we've created, well, yes. we've created quite a fan base, Pez. It really covers yeah. a lot of different demographics. There's a range. There's a, there's a range. <laughs> um, don't you think that, like, Bearstow's really gotten away with one? Um, you know, you, you're, you would recall Pez after the Perth game, I think it might have been, like Smith yeah. and Bancroft just hosing themselves. Uh, yeah. That might actually have been a pre-presser um, when they're just trying to, you know, say that, you know, it was all a bit... It was, all a bit it was after and, Bancroft had hit... Um, some runs in Brisbane in his first test and then they won the Perth test. Ah, okay, and uh, yes. so he was kind of he was the new guy. He was the new young guy who was funny. I mean yeah. I think Bairstow's gotten away with it a little bit oh, because yeah. uh, a few <laughs> few months later, uh mm. Bancroft's career was uh, almost in ruins mm. <laughs> and he was crying. At the yoga uh, studio so, and, and I think that um those images kind of dwarfed whatever jocularity he kind of um yeah. exposed with with Bearstow, and I think that whole incident became like that whole incident almost then started being like you know being seen through the prism of Australia's arrogance. Mm. But it was still really funny that Bearstow greets people with a headbutt. <laughs> if, if there was footage, you know, of of Bearstow's you know hello headbutt or whatever, you know, it's probably on someone's WhatsApp group somewhere. Uh, at the Scarborough Hotel in Western Australia, wherever it was. Will McPherson actually did a whole piece. He actually went to that pub and got pissed and then wrote an article about it. It's really good. Um, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but um, if there was footage of the Bearstow headbutt, then that would be harder to live down. But he's just like, he's just got on with it. Now he's just like this this supreme one-day batsman who will play a big part in the Ashes as well uh, and, and the World Cup. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I think... Bearstow's ready to destroy Australia at some point. Mm. <laughs> there you go. What we've done to Jack is he's made one mistake by leaving one letter out of the world and we've just hammered him for it. Um, <laughs> Not really. I mean, he tried to, he just finished off the, he was going really well at the start and then just finished it off at pace. Does he still need to score a million runs in World Cup? <laughs> and that's just double. <laughs> like, uh, it's like, uh, dinner's ready, Jack. Oh, hang on, let's help me finish this. Hey, uh, quick tweet. Hashtag ITDC. I, I just, I also love the idea that it's a formula. It's just like, well, if you make a mistake that's publicly shamed mm. for, there is a finite amount of runs that you <laughs> need to pass the threshold of to um, to overcome that mistake, to, to make up for it. Uh, for you, Johnny, it's somewhere in the region of a million runs in World Cup. <laughs> Last one says, Ned Wright. Hi there. I have reached a shadow batting crisis point and require your help. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. 
<laughs> Six months into my relationship with my girlfriend, she started to notice my shadow batting habits. The cultured flick off the hip when walking around the supermarket, getting squared up in the living room, and the cultured AB punch off the back foot through extra. The issues began when my girlfriend started asking, did that go far? To which I almost always reply, even when getting worked over by an imaginary left arm quick, yes, creamed it for four. Do I admit to her that I'm a perennial beta who averages ten, can't hit the ball off the square, and is delighted with the yuck 30, hence my shadow batting is a reflection of this? Or... As it's my shadow batting, do I suddenly become a circa 04 Damien Martin on the front dog and complimented with Ricky Ponting's pull shot where every ball goes for four? Many thanks, Ned. What do you think, Hugo? Uh, quick cricket, get big. <laughs> <laughs> That's the title of this week's show, no doubt. Yeah. I don't know. You just imagine things. Don't. I mean, it's a very vivid uh, image that Ned's put together, mm-hmm. so well written. Mm-hmm. Do I admit to her that I'm a perennial beater who averaged 10, can't hit the ball off the square and is delighted with a yuck 30, hence my shadow bat is a reflection of this? Just imagine saying that. I'm a perennial beater yeah. who averages 10. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it depends on the on your partner's character. If you sense that she... If you sense that being alpha is important to her, mm. I wouldn't do it. But that might... You know, but is that being honest, Ned? Mm. If you try and remain an alpha when you know you're a perennial beta, mm. it's a road to ruin mm. down the track if there's any long-term prospects really in this relationship. Yeah. Uh, you know, you never know. You might admit she's a perennial beta, uh, you're a perennial beta, mm. and she, she might go for that mm. and be turned on by it. Unlikely. It is unlikely, Pez. Um, and, mm. uh, you know, as a single man, I can attest to uh, the uh, traditionally female interest in, in the code. Uh, so mm. I don't know how much she... Uh, would care or even know what a yuck 30 is. Um, she might guess it might be one of your friends, for instance. I don't well, know. You, might, you know, like you might be able to say I'm a perennial beater who averages 10, can't hit the ball for square and still with a yuck 30, hence my shadow batting is a reflection of this. <coughs> she might go, um, is that good? And you will say, it's honest. Yeah. So. Apparently, uh, Michael Holding was an Olympic level 400 metre runner um, mm. and he chose cricket because there's no truth in athletics. And I was thinking, well, <laughs> But there's fucking no truth in cricket, Michael. It's the most yeah. dishonest sport there is. Yeah. How'd you uh, hit him? Yeah, Smashed it was him. actually really, it was really fun listening to him commentate while Coulter continued to pierce short, uh, back, deep backward square and fine leg, <laughs> yeah. um, the fine leg boundary. As someone who's just obviously the greatest exponent of bouncers possibly in the history of world cricket, mm. he was getting really angry at the positioning of those fielders and he just mm. kept saying, <laughs> Coulter can't play the short ball, he can't play the short ball, he can't hook, he's, he's going to get out and he just didn't get out. <laughs> anyway. yeah. Then he got to a full ball, that's sort of stump. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm just now imagining Michael Johnson, the 200 and 400 runner, bowling quick. (laughs) (laughs) He had strong glutes. Could have got through the crease. Um, I don't know what Ned's... uh, I don't know. I don't know what to do with Ned's thing. I'll go back to my point. Honestly, this World Cup is just... I'm I'm all in. I'm engrossed in it so heavily, you know. As a single man, could be options to to meet, meet, you know, to meet ladies out there. Had the offer, uh, you know, of uh, some female accompaniment last night. Wouldn't have thought so. West Indies, Australia. The night before. Uh, Afghanistan, Sri Lanka. Nut, bottle of wine, get on Twitter. Watching the cricket. I'm I'm in, mate. I'm in. I'll I'll never find love, but I'll uh, I'll make some cricket jokes on the internet and, uh, you know, have a lovely time watching the cricket. I don't know what I want you to do with that. Um, I just wanted to point out that I can tell when you've had wine and you're on Twitter because you start using capitals a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, it's okay for me because... I know your intonation with your voice mm. when you say things. Mm. I just wonder, with you know, for like Joe Blow out in the Twitter sphere, just seeing like, mm. you know, you just laugh with about ten ha's back to back. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know how they take it actually. Yeah. I don't know where to, where to, how to finish that sentence, yeah. which isn't for the first time. Quick cricket, get big. Thanks to Sam Perry, Melbourne will be back uh, on in the next couple of days after uh, Australia and India are playing on Sunday, uh, and Bangladesh are going against the uh, the World Cup favourites, England on Saturday. So we'll be back in a couple of days' time. We'll speak to you again on the Great Cricketer Podcast.